Um, so just to start with, I guess if I can get anyone who's under 13, just to stand on their chair for me, just real quick, just give me an idea. Parents, you can help them out. If, you, if you're here from Workplace Health and Safety, just, turn, just close your eyes for a second. All right, good. So you guys are going to be, um, you guys are going to help me out just a, a few times along the way. There's, um, thank you for that. You can sit down. Um, I've got, I've got three, three really key thoughts for us this morning. And uh, all of you, um, all of you guys are going to help me out um, by giving us an illustration as we go. So um, there's, there's three points where I'll ask you guys to get up again, um, the kids, and you're going to help me uh, illustrate a message. Um, so let me just, uh, I'll just set some stuff up here. Just give me a second. So you can see we've just got a loaf of bread. Got a um, kitchen knife. And a torch. All right, so this morning, um, I guess just to preface what I'm going to say, there's one thing I want to accomplish. There's a few points and we'll go down a few little trails, but there's one thing that I want you to come away with this morning is um, when you look at the Bible, uh, when you look at the Word of God, uh, when you look at the book, the Holy Bible, um, I want to help create in you um, a a passionate desire for the Word of God and and an understanding that it is a treasure, that um, it's worth more um, than anything else um, in life. So I want to just to help you to look at the Bible and see it as beautiful, to see the Bible and say, yep, that's my bedrock right there. That, that, is, my, um, that is absolutely everything I need for life. Um, so in, in, in choosing to speak about the Bible, I'm, I'm asking myself, what's one of the most glorious truths I've learned over the last couple of years? This is it. Um, so I'm sharing out of something that, um, yeah, God's really, uh, really been at work in my life. Um, so just to start with the question for you, when you look at your own life, and you look at the Bible, um, how do you interact with the Bible? How do you engage with the Word? Um, what do you do? do you, you know, it's just something that you got given once as a kid and it's on the bookshelf with, you know, with 40 other books that are really hard to understand. Um, is it something maybe you pick up every once in a while or you, you kind of flick through your phone and you know, have a little read or, or maybe you Got a, you like the Facebook page and every now and then a nice verse comes up on your feed and you're like, oh, that's good. Yeah, you know, I'm powered up for the day. Come on, you know, kick some goals. What, how, how do you interact with the Bible? And that's, um, that's the beginning of looking at the, the Word and coming to a re-understanding of it. Um, so firstly, first point, um, and this is just a preface, so kids, just there's nothing we need here, but just to start with the first point, and Pete said it really well, is the, and, and I'm just going to echo that, um, the Bible is all about Jesus. So when you look, um, I think, oh, yeah, there we go. So how do you see the Bible? So that's, that's, you know, when you look at the Bible, how do you see it? You know, so sorry, I missed that. Um, the Bible is all about Jesus. Okay, so when you, look at, um, when you look at the Bible, you look at the Old Testament and you look at Leviticus and, and Numbers and some of these older books that are just a, a little bit of a mess, you're kind of going... What's going on here? You know, is, is God really speaking through that? You look at the whole picture of the Bible, um, just to sum it up in one thought. So if you're, if you're asking yourself, you know, this guy's talking about the Bible. What's the Bible about? What, you know, it's a pretty big book. Give me just a, in a sentence, what's the Bible about? It's all about Jesus. So from beginning to end and all of these little different stories and, and um, journeys in between, 
It's Jesus. So Jesus, the pinnacle of, of Scripture, that's what it's all about. Um, so this, just a few illustrations here. This is Christ speaking to the Jews. He says, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is that they, sorry, it is they that bear witness about me. And yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So he's saying, the life in the Scriptures is me. It's not in those words, it's in me. That's where the life is. And then on the road to Emmaus, if you know the story, he's walking with a, um, a few believers and, and they don't recognize him as Christ. Um, and he's telling them, he's just, he's just tying it all together for them. He's walking them through the Old Testament and, and, and it says here, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he's going, you remember that story there? That was about Christ. You remember that back there in the Old Testament? That was about me. That was about Christ. Um, so he's, he's tying everything together. So just a, a really big overview. The whole Bible is a story of God and it's about Christ. So who's Christ? Really simply, Christ came as a man, lived a perfect life, carried our sin to the cross and died that we might have access to God. Um, so we can be reborn and adopted into the family of God. Um, so the first truth, really simply, the Bible is all about Jesus. So if you want to learn more about Jesus, read the Bible. All right, kids. Um, the Bible is a meal. So just to help illustrate this, if all your kids, if you just want to jump on your chair again, just really quickly, and then just to help embed that. So when we go, in out the, when we go through the week this week, we can remember what are those three key things. If you can all just um, help me read... Um, the second part, so the Bible is a meal, and then what does it say in breakfast? Uh, sorry, what does it say in, in brackets there? What's that say? Kids, if you can read that out. All right, all together, a little louder. Nom, 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 nom. What's that? What are you doing there? Eating. Very good. Okay, thank you. It's a good try, but uh, hopefully the second time we'll get a little better at that. But the Bible is a meal. Nom, 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 nom. You eat a meal. You enjoy a meal. Um, now, now to, to illustrate um, food, uh, something I'm very passionate about, um, a quick point, hunger uh, produces turmoil. Have you ever noticed that when you get hungry, physically hungry, you just get a little bit, just get a bit short, you just get a bit cranky? Um, me, personally, I can't go without breakfast. Um, I can, um, but it's not pretty. Like, it's, not, it's just not something um, that I would like to do not having breakfast um i you know if i go to work without breakfast i'm having trouble looking at the computer <laughs> i'm having trouble reading things i'm just my body's like this is not happening right now you know you need to eat something um you, you need to eat food so when my body is hungry and it's not getting fed it upsets me i i am deeply upset uh internally externally now think about it say uh if i didn't eat for a week um, what do you think is going to happen to me um, at my weight, I'd probably shrivel up and die. Um, but you can probably understand I'd be in a little bit of turmoil. Now, if we look here at um, Matthew 4, this is Jesus. Um, he's led into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted. And the Scripture here says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Exactly what I just said. <laughs> uh, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and the Bible says he was hungry. I think that's a really pretty way of saying he is absolutely starving. He's like, my stomach is turning inside out. Like, I'm eating myself right now. Um, and, it, and he was tempted. The devil said, hey, why don't you, you know, you're probably pretty hungry right now. Why don't you turn these stones into just a big old loaf of bread? You know, just have something to eat. Um, and there's a couple of really good lessons here. Um, firstly, and the first thing we need to see, I guess, the first half of that verse is that um, Jesus was using physical hunger as a catalyst for spiritual hunger. So by denying himself the comfort of food, by, by just saying, no, I'm not going to find comfort in food here, he was allow, allowing his soul to feed on the Word. And the question that I've got for you to help you, um, help you bury that in your soul is what sacrifices do you need to make in order to feed on the Word? So you see here what Christ has done? He's, he's, he's forsaken the comfort of food. He's saying, no, I'm going to forsake that so I can allow my soul to feed on the Word. What do you need to do in your life um, in order to feed on the Word? What do you need to give up in order to find space or to find time or even just to find clarity for the Word? Is your plate, is it, is, are you too full? You're too busy right now to really live. Um, you know, we just fill up our lives, don't we? Um, we're, we're just full. You know, we've got a lot of work on and we've got hobbies and we've got events and we've got friends of friends first-year-old birthday parties, and there's just stuff on all the time. Um, and culturally, that's just the mindset. We just feel, you know, just filled up, just constantly busy, constantly moving, um, just because we're used to this. We're just used to, you know, these ones, just kind of... You know, we're just in the middle of this, this whirlwind of, of technology. That's something that I'd point out specifically that, allow, that mentally we're just strung out. Um, if we're not flicking through something on this little handheld device, we've got a screen up here or we've got something over here beeping at us. Um, it's probably the microwave if it's in our house. Amen. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, the question is, what sacrifices do you need to make in order to feed on the Word? Is there something you need to just say, you know what, I'm going to forsake this in order to allow my heart to feed on the Word? Um, and, then, and then kind of more importantly, um, mentally, we need to reconfigure our minds. We're just, um, we're just scrollers now. We just scroll through everything. I read a great article by um, the team at Desiring God that say the internet, is just, we, the internet has taught us not to absorb anything anymore. We just scroll. So if you notice your own habit, when you look at a computer screen and you're reading something, you're just, just doing this all the time, just scrolling through information. So you're, not, you're never really engaged or absorbing stuff, just glossing over it, just kind of skimming. So when you're talking to someone, you say, oh, did you read this article? I loved it. And you're like, yeah, yeah it, was, it was good, you know, it was cool, you know, good read, because we never really engage. So again, back to the question, what do you need to give up? in order to find space, time, and clarity for the Word. Secondly, the second part of this um, verse here, um, it's a priority shift. It's a massive priority shift. Christ is saying here, 
You think food is important for life? Do you really think food is important to live? And, you know, we're going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really important. Like, it's really important. Um, but Christ here is saying, through this verse here, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He says, you think that food is what brings you life and nourishes your body? And you can just hear the answer. You can just hear he's, he's answering the question here. I breathed on dust to make man. He doesn't need food to give him life. He needs an awakening of his heart to behold the word. He needs the word. He needs to see me. He needs to look at the Bible and see me and see the treasure of the gospel. That's what's really going to bring him to life. Um, and you can see this echoed here in... Um, oh, gee, I'm not really good with syncing this presentation thing up. Um, the second... Oh, I didn't put the verses up. Yeah, okay. Well, John, we see this echoed in John 6. Um, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And he says again later on, he says this like five times, but later on in verse 51, he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the question that, that comes from that is, uh, do you really want to live? Like, do you really, do you want life? Do you want true life? Um, do you want to live forever? Um, do you want the bread of eternal life? And that's Christ. That's the Bible. So the second truth here, uh, we, we're learning here, is the, the Bible is a meal and there is a feast waiting in the book. All right, kids, jump up on the chairs again real quick. All right, so the, the third one, the Bible is a lamp. Can you all... Um, passionately read that word in brackets for me please oh come on what's that what's that there's got to be some loud kids here somewhere that was a pretty loud kid when you turn a light on what's happened when you flick a switch what happens bing all right one two three that's a lot better good well done all right thanks kid you can sit down okay so um what what's that picture there can someone tell me the, the background picture? What is that? Black? It's black. That's my lounge room. Um, that's a photo of my lounge room I took last night. Um, there's a, some couches over here and there's a little TV there. Um, but what do you notice about it? You can't see anything. Um, now, this, that's the second photo I took and it's a little dark, but I turned a torch on and I shone it through my lounge room and what do you see on the floor there? There's a chair right there. Now, how would I have known there's a chair there if I didn't have a light? If I, if I, if I was walking in this room, what do you think is going to happen to me? I'll probably, I'll probably be hopping around this morning. I'll be on crutches. Now, obviously, practically, we don't have a chair lying there in our house. This is an illustration. But, but the point of the story is, if you don't have light... Um, how, how do you know where you're going? If you don't have a light in the darkness, what, what do you have to guide you? you? Just go off your feeling. You kind of just there's a wall there. There's a you know there's a knife there. You're just you're just stumbling around in the dark. And um, Psalm 119 here says, "Your word, so the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules." 
I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Now, the psalmist is just crystal clear here about how the word interacts with his life. It's my light. I, I wouldn't know where I was going without it. Where, where would I be? Where would I be if I didn't have your word? I'd be in darkness. I, I just wouldn't know. Um, now, practically for us, we face decision after decision after decision throughout our lives. You know, where, where are we going to live? You know, are we going to build? Are we going to buy a house? How should we budget? How or when do we parent? You know, where should we work? How do we play? How do we rest? Until death, we'll never lose the ability to make a wrong decision. Um, but the, the beauty of this here is, is 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Um, So, that, so the question for you is, how do you allow the Word to illuminate your life? So for example, when I was thinking about marrying Chloe, I just went on a hike. I, um, I shut off my phone, you know, much to the horror of young people. I turned it off. There's a button on the top that if you hold it in, it actually goes off and it, and it doesn't work. And I, Whoa, it turns off. Um, so I shut off my phone and I, um, I went for a hike. I took a Bible and I took a notepad. I just went hiking for the day. Um, I loved it. It was beautiful. Um, but it allowed my, my mind and my heart um, to, to stop listening to this and kind of the things that would try and help me, but just to illuminate my path and say, God, um, got a big decision coming up. I want you to speak to me through your word. I want you to light my path. I want you to guide my feet here. And it was beautiful. I loved it. H- how are you doing that? It's particularly for big decisions. When you've got stuff coming up, um, are you switching that off and, and allowing God to eliminate your path? Um, all right, second part of the lamp. Now, the thing about a lamp is it's not simply showing you where to go. It's also showing you what to avoid. Um, so it's not just showing you that's the end goal. It's showing you this is an obstacle. You need to avoid this. This is a really bad idea. So it's lighting up a, a path. It's showing you what to avoid. Um, so it, it's both. It's both. This is what holiness looks like. This is what sin looks like. Or, or this is wisdom. This is folly. This is terrible. Um, so uh, to, to illustrate that, um, I was listening to the radio a while back. Um, they were doing a segment. I don't even remember what station. Um, they were doing a segment on um, open relationships. So they were saying open relationships as in a man and a wife. Uh, sorry, a man and a woman live together. They're not married. They're just partners. But they're they're free for each other to date and engage with other people. Um, so it's just an open relationship. There's, um, and they were just taking calls. So just, what do you think? Is it working for you? How do you do it well? What kind of guidelines do you use? And they're taking calls. And, and a lady phoned in and just told their story about being in an open relationship. Um, they, they, they lay down rules for each other and guidelines. And each partner has to approve for the other's dates. And it can't be long-term. Sometimes they go online and pick each other's dates online. Um, and then if the rules are broken, the relationship's over. Now, if you look at that, if, that, if that's your influence, if you're in the dark and, and you're that and you're fed that and you're like, oh, okay, so there's a few little guidelines here. I'm going to trip through some obstacles. But without the Bible, how would you navigate that? Without the Bible, what do you say? 
that's a really bad idea. You know, without the, without the Bible and without the, um, the, uh, you know, the moral law and, and the truth of Scripture, how do you navigate something like that? Um, if we didn't have a light on that, we will be stumbling all over the place. Um, Ephesians 5.25, really clear, really beautiful answer. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, and a little earlier on it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Just, doesn't that just iron things out? You're kind of looking at the shirt and you're like, that is a shocking, shocking Shocking shirt. I'm not wearing this to work. You gather scriptures and you iron things out. Doesn't that just clear things up for you? Um, that's the way the word illuminates your life. Um, you know, is it loving to your wife to lust after other women? No. Is it loving your husband when you cut him down behind his back? No. The Bible cuts through the darkness there with an illuminating light. Helps you to discern right from wrong. All right, kids, if you can jump up on the, on the um, seats again. We've got one more. All right, so if you can... Um, now, this is the last one. Just so let me warn you, this is the last chance you've got to really make it count. Um, so I don't know if... Um, how about we do this? How about we do this? Okay, I've got a knife here. And I've, got a little, I've got a carrot. How about when, I, um, when the knife hits the carrot... How about you give me the best, that word in brackets, that you can do, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the carrot like this. I'm going to knife it. When I knife it, I need you to just go, go nuts, okay? Are you ready? Hands up if you're ready. Well, this guy's not, he's not too confident. You know, okay, all right, here we go. All right, ready? I'm going to throw it. I'm going to cut it. You're going to make that word, all right? Here we go. All right, let's do this. Hiya! Good. Very good. Right, one more time, because that was pretty good. You're a little bit late too. So, but as I'm cutting it, all right, ready? Here we go. Ah, I tricked you. I missed it. Okay, you get the picture. Thank you. Well done. Well done. You sit down. Okay, now, okay. So you can see I, I cut this little the carrot. Now, what happens uh, if I if I have the carrot here and I just sit the knife down here beside it? Does a carrot get cut? No, it's still in one piece. Um, or what if I lay, what if I've got the knife, but I just lay it on top of the carrot, just like this? Is it getting cut? No. Okay, there's two things about a sword or a, a weapon. This is a knife. I'd love to have a sword, but um, not yet. I'm still working on it. In order to be effective, it has to be sharp. You need a sharp knife. And it needs to be swung. You need to swing it. I can't cut a carrot just by doing this. Um, and I definitely can't cut a carrot with the back, you know, with the blunt. I probably could, but it would make a mess. Um, and it would take me a while. Um, let's go here. Uh, Hebrews 4 says this about the Word. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You can hack away at a tree all day with a blunt axe. All you're going to do is stuff your back. Um, it sucks. And I would suggest at times, um, let's try and uh, bring this down, 
sometimes declaring generic Christian promises is just doing the same thing for you. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to lead my team to victory today by scoring the winning goal and looking like an absolute legend. Or, you know, for, for those who love God, all things work um, together for good. So, Lord, would you get me that new job already? You know, I haven't applied anywhere, but just, Lord, just work that for my good. You know, sometimes um, bless me and keep me safe and give me favor. They are great and they are beautiful promises. But sometimes we tear them right out of context. Um, so we need um, to begin to know the word um, with all our heart and use it to fight the temptations that come against us. So knowing the word, that is, that's sharpening the sword, knowing it, memorizing the word, committing it to your heart and applying the word, that's swinging the sword, that's cutting off um, sin. Um, so practically here, when we're tempted to sin, we can use the Bible, we can use specific promises to discern the intentions of our heart and put sin to death. Um, now, one of the greatest ways I would suggest uh, applying this comes from, from Piper. And this is one of those truths that when I, if I look back on what are one of the most beautiful things I've learned over the couple of years, this is it. This is what in my heart is just like, mmm. Yeah, you know, like, mm, that's a good meal. That's, that tastes really good. Um, and I, I really, I sincerely hope you've heard this before and that I'm simply reminding you. Um, but uh, let's go through this. It's called, it's called Aptat. This is, so when you think of the Bible as a sword, you think it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, you ask the question, well, how do I apply that? How do I, you know, say I'm, I'm struggling with covetousness or, or greed or, or lust how do I apply the word to that situation? What, what do I do? You know, well, you know, pray, Lord, would you help me? Yeah. Um, but one of the ways that we do that is by specifically applying the Bible to, to situations. And this is what Aptat is all about. So it's five things. It's admit, pray, trust, act, and thank. So admit, um, I can't do it. Lord, I cannot do it. I'm having a really hard time. I cannot do it. I just can't go on. I can't do this anymore. At least I can't do it to any spiritual effect. I just do not have it in me. Um, that's admit. And then pray. Pray is, God, would you help me? Help me. Lord, I need your help. Um, deliver me from evil. I need you. Um, trust. That's the third bit. This is where it's really important. This is the, the heart of it is trusting a specific promise, a specific scripture, um, a tailor-made um, scripture for every situation. Um, so is, is applying um, your knowledge and swinging it, so sharpening the sword, swinging it, that's, that's the bridge there, is, um, is trust, trusting the word of God. Um, act, uh, you can't lie in bed waiting on God to act. Um, you've got to get up and you've got to go to work or you've got to make that phone call. Um, you've got to dial those numbers. You've got to, you've got to act. Um, in faith, you've got to stand on the word. You've got to do something about it. Um, and then lastly, thank. You thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for um, your peace. Thank you for your strength. Um, thank you for continuing, continuing to work in my heart. It's an outpouring of, of, of praise and thanks. Um, now, two illustrations just to, to bring this home for you, to give you just, okay, yeah, that's good, but 
what does it look like? Give me a really practical example. What does that look like? Um, I've got two illustrations here for you. All right, so first one is the temptation of fear. I hope um, this is probably something that's quite common. Um, so, God has, so God has called you to do something and you know it's right, but you're afraid to do it. What do you do? So it could be, it could be sharing the gospel. It could be confronting someone, um, you know, biblically. Um, God's called you to do something. You know it's the right thing to do, but you're just afraid. Um, what do you do? Okay, we work through this. All right, you admit Honestly and, and humbly, I can't do this by myself. I am, I'm freaked out. I'm just afraid. Um, I, I, just, I don't have what it takes to do this. And you pray, God, would you give me courage? I need courage. Please don't let me be overcome by fear. I don't want to make fear an idol here. Um, take that away. And now here's where, the, here's where the key is. Here's where the jump is. You call to mind a specific blood-brought promise um, that Christ has guaranteed. Uh, and right here, we're going to Isaiah. We're going, uh, Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Isn't that just beautiful? Isn't that just, you know, isn't that a beautiful promise? When you think of, if you're afraid, instead of just saying, Lord, help me, isn't that beautiful just to look straight into the scriptures where Christ is speaking in your situation and to be able to feast on that? Isn't that life for you? Um, so you trust that promise. You say, God, I take this promise for myself. Um, I trust you. You are now my help. And then you act. So you do it. If, if there's someone you need to talk to, you talk to them. You give them a call. Um, you arrange to meet up with them. You act. You do what you need to do. Um, so as you act, you're believing that God, um, the Holy Spirit, is acting in you through His Word um, and through your faith. So when you're done, when you've done that, you bow your head or you go to a quiet place and you say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for overcoming fear in my life. I would not have done that without you. Do you see that progression there? You see how that's, you're pulling out, you're, you're reading the Word, you're dedicating yourself to the Word, and you go, oh, man, I'm having a really hard time with a friend right here. This is, this is the process you do. Now, another example um, to come at another angle, um, and this is um, something I've, I've really, um, uh, I guess I've found freedom um, through this, is, is the temptation of bitterness for being wrong, wronged. So we've, we've all been sinned against, um, and there's a temptation there to become bitter. Um, so uh, someone has hurt you really badly. Um, or perhaps um, they hurt someone really close to you. Perhaps they hurt your, your spouse. Um, a, a huge injustice has been done. Something um, is, is wrong. And you know it's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. Um, it's just obvious. Um, you've tried to reconcile. You know, Maybe you've made progress. Maybe you haven't. Um, but you just find yourself eating, you're just eaten up with anger. You're just angry. you just, I am angry. And um, you're really bitter against the offender. Um, and it could even be your spouse. It could be one, someone in your family. It could be your boss. It could be a, a colleague. Um, now, you know that bitterness is wrong, right? You know, bitterness, you know, bitterness is not right. It's not good to be bitter. Um, but you can't shake it. It is reoccurring. Every time you think of what's happened, you think of that injustice, you think of what they did, that flames it up. You're going, 
oh, you know, that bitterness comes back. Justice is not being done. Something needs to be done about that. And the fact that they might not even think what they did was wrong. Um, so that, you know, they could be fine, but you were getting eaten alive. What do you do? All right. You admit, I can't shake this. I, I am terribly bitter, Lord. I cannot shake this. I need help. I'm enslaved. Um, bitterness right now is my idol. It's, it's destroying me and only me. It's not hurting anyone else. Um, it's tearing me apart. You pray, Father, I need your help. I, I really need your help here. I cannot stop feeling rage or, or bitterness. Um, please take it away. And now here's the application. Here's where you're treasuring the word. Here's where you're, you're feasting on the word. Um, we go to, for this right here, we go to Romans 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, isn't that beautiful? Um, let, let's unpack that. You trust that promise. God will repay. He will repay. Vengeance belongs to God. Um, and He will see to it that perfect justice is done for every sin against me. Indeed, every sin in the universe. He's going to see that perfect justice is done. And He'll, he'll deal with it. He's either going to deal with it on the cross or in hell. So I don't need to carry this anymore. I can hand it over to him who judges justly. And then you do it now. You, you say, you know, I trust, Father, that you are the just God and you'll deal with this perfectly. I trust you. And then you act. You, you, you act. You, you get rid of the letters or, or the reminders that are bringing up the bitterness or, or you, just, you, just, you don't go to that brooding place anymore. You don't go to that... Um, you know, that, that place that would, that would bring up that bitterness. And you stop, re- you stop rehearsing all those scenarios of what I'm going to say to them when they talk about it or how I'm going to, you know, pin them down. You just you stop rehearsing that. Um, and they come up in your head. You keep reminding of it. You say, no, I'm turning to the word of Christ. I'm turning to the cross. I'm turning to the promises of God. And you look up to God, your merciful Father, and you thank Him for being a perfectly holy and righteous judge. And then you thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I'm free from that. Thank you that I'm not a slave to bitterness. Um, so I guess the, the, the place I'm trying to arrive at here with the Bible as a weapon is, is the Bible has a promise for your situation. You just need to know it and apply it. You need to, what is it, Lord? Where's, give me a scripture for this. Remind me of your word. Incline my heart to your word. Um. Just to, to, to give you a few tools in, in, in case you're like, well, that's great, but I don't know a lot of the Bible. Um, a few tools. Um, Desiring God has a great... They've got an app called Fighterverse, or I think it's Fighterverses. Um, you can get it on your phone or on your... I'm not even going to go through the list of technology. You can get it on, you can get it, and it just has categorical scriptures. So it has scriptures you know, to deal with anger or scriptures to deal with bitterness or with lust or covetousness. Um, one of the tools you can use to help you apply the word to your life is get that. And, it, and if you know there's specific issues that we're going through, just have a look. Just, you know, I need help, God. Um, you know, going to use fighter verses to help me get a better understanding of the word. So I'd, I'd encourage you to look into that. 
Um, so, so just to recap, um, we, we're, we're done, short and sweet, um, a little bit over, but I'm just going to quickly recap. So, so the four points, the Bible is all about Jesus. When you look across the story of the Bible, when you look at the Old Testament, the kings and the priests and um, some of the wild stuff that happened in the Old Testament, and you look at the New Testament and, and the letters and, and you know, the, the, to- the age to come, Jesus is the whole point here. Um, it's, you're just looking at different, different sides of, of, a, of a beautiful treasure. So the Bible is all about Jesus. Secondly, the Bible's a meal. And kids, you remember what the meal is? What do you do there? Nom, 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 nom. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Nom, nom, nom. Yeah, the Bible's a meal. You feast um, and, and Christ is the feast. So when you go to the Word, you go, um, Lord, I'm here to feast on your glorious treasure. What have you got for me? Um, and, and you feast. So if there's things that need to be cast aside in order to do that, absolutely. What do you need to cut off? Go for it. Um, thir- uh, thirdly, the Bible is a lamp giving us a way forward. Um, so I don't know what to do right here. This is a really tough decision. Um, well, maybe this isn't exactly the answer of what to do, but maybe this is just what not to do. This is what to avoid. Um, allow the Bible to illuminate your path. So when you're looking at decisions and, and you know, just that daily ongoing pressure to, to keep making decisions, keep moving forward, you need the Bible there. You need it to illuminate your path. And the Bible's a weapon um, used to put to death the desires of the flesh. So if you are being overcome with sin or with temptation, you need to apply the word to put it to death. You need to get the sword out. You need to cut it. You need to sharpen it and swing it. Um, so that's the Bible. I, I pray that, um, yeah, that, that God would awaken a passion and a love for the Word in your hearts. I'll just finish, the, uh, finish up by praying. Lord, we thank you for your, um, your holy scriptures. Um, thank you that you, um, you've spoken to us through them, um, that in the past you spoke to us through the prophets, um, but you know, the final word you spoke to us through your Son, Jesus. And we just thank you that we can look at the scriptures and we can see Jesus we can see the, the, the beauty of the sun. Um, and I just ask that you would um, awaken in us uh, a desire, a, a passion um, for your Bible and for the Word um, that we might, um, yeah, that we might feast upon it. Uh, that we wouldn't, um, yeah, that we wouldn't trust just generic promises or, or, you know, just be happy, you know, reading a, reading a blog every now and then that would turn to the Bible as our, um, the bread of life. Um, we love you, Lord, and we just trust that the Holy Spirit um, is at work in our hearts um, to, to renew our hearts to love the Bible. Amen.